Welcome to another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yalbron, lead pastor of One Community Church located in El Dorado, Arkansas. For information about the ministry of Pastor Jason or One Community Church, please visit our website at occeldorado.com. Or you can find us on Facebook by searching One Community Church El Dorado. So today is going to be a little bit different. Um, really different for me. Uh, I am more of a topical guy and uh, I like to do series. And in fact, two weeks from now, I will do a start a series called The Book of Acts. And if the Lord continues to lead me in this direction, I will probably go from the book of Acts to the book of Romans. So we're going to see what happens. So if you, if you like teaching and topical teaching and all of that, I'm your guy. Come back in two weeks. <laughs> okay? But today is going to be different. And it's even a different flow for pastor. Okay? So this is going to be different for me. Uh, I am... What I told those girls a moment ago, I am exercising my faith. I am putting a demand on the anointing on my life today. And so I am trusting the Lord to give me a word, okay? Now, what I did was, and I'm calling this freestyling. This is what preachers call freestyling, okay? So what I did was, is I, in my private time, I just took a random notebook, which you'll see here in a moment. I took a random notebook. And as the Lord and, and the Holy Spirit was ministering to me, I just started writing down random things. I just started writing them down. It all has a theme. We have a title. But I'll be honest, I don't know where we're going. <laughs> I really don't know what's fixing to happen. I don't. And, and am I okay with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I just want to see what God's going to do. And I don't know what's going to happen. I may stay on the platform. I may come down to the floor. Cameraman. Dave Tingle, you better just keep up with me. If I go out of the shot, just do the best you can. Okay? Because I am putting a demand on the anointing on my life because I just want to see what God's about to do. Okay? And if I get loud, it's okay. All right? So I'm passionate about what I do. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not just screaming at you. <laughs> okay? There's a passion. There's a passion in my life. There's a passion in my anointing. And so I, I may be passionate today, but that's okay because I think some people need me to be passionate. Sometimes you need me to be happy. Sometimes you need me to get mad and get in your business. Is that right? You know, I had a guy the other day tell me, he said, you know why, why I started coming to One Community? I said, why? He said, because, he said, it's the first church I've ever been to where they said it wasn't okay for me to live in sin. He said, all these other churches just tell me I'm a sinner and send me on my way. But when I come to one community, I'm actually challenged to be better. And I don't want to live in my sin anymore. <laughs> come on, church. He said, you challenge me. He said, you make me want to do better. That church makes me want to do better. I don't want to live in my sin anymore. I know I'm a sinner. People tell me that. I go to churches and they tell me that. But I'm tired of that. I believe God wants more for me. You'll get in my business. You'll step on my toes. And he said, I like that. Now, this is an unchurched guy saying that he's tired of religion and everybody telling him, well, you're okay. You know, everybody sins. It's okay. Listen, I'm not perfect, but I'm striving to be. Amen. 
Well, me and the Lord are going to have a good time. I don't know about y'all. So we're going to do this today. By the way, God is doing some amazing, amazing things. It is just incredible. Um, so our YouTube channel, did y'all know that's another church right there? I mean, literally, like this is amazing what we're hearing and what we're seeing happening online. People are watching this. People are being blessed. People are being ministered to, and it's amazing. And so we just thank God for our online audience, and we don't recognize them enough. So would y'all give them a hand, everybody watching? Let them hear you. Let them hear you. Amen. And if you've not subscribed to our YouTube channel, please do, okay? It's uh, some be some amazing things uh, that you'll see on there, and God's going to do some stuff. And in fact, he's laying things on my heart to share online. And so it's, it's, it's going to be good. Before I jump in, though, I got to do something because two weeks ago, uh, Alicia and I, we weren't here two weeks ago, and Alicia and I went to see our grandbaby. In fact, we have on our calendar every single month, we're going to be in North Arkansas at least for three or four days seeing our grandbaby. Can I hear an amen on that? Well, some of you like it, but wait till you become a grandparent. This is the best gig ever. Like, I thought I liked having children. I like being a granddad way more. No offense, Luke. But I'm telling you, this guy right here that I'm about to show you a picture of, there he is right there. This guy right here is genius level. Like, I'm serious. This guy could be the smartest guy ever. He's got such good genes. I mean, just look at his grandpa. Now, now wait a second. Y'all are going fast back here. Y'all, we've got to describe what's going on here. So I looked at his name as Harlan, Harlan Ray, named after my dad. I said, Harlan, do you want to go to Target? He said, yes. No, he didn't say that. So we go to Target. It was like Christmas in August. We went down the toy aisle, and anything he saw he wanted, Papa Jay bought it. Do you see that face? Look at that face. Is he not the cutest thing ever? So anyway, we'll keep going. Let's keep going. So what's the next one? I don't even know. There we are. So this is my daughter, Sarah. And uh, that's our dogs. There's another one running around. He's not in the picture. But uh, anyway, that's us. They got a brand new home there in Jonesboro. And we're so proud of them. Next picture. Let's look at it. So here we are. First time to ever go to church with Harlan. So... We went to their church. They're plugged into an awesome church. By the way, keep it right there. This church that they're attending is five years old. They're still in a church plant, so to speak, and they're still temporary. They do not have a permanent building. They meet at the fairgrounds. It was pouring down rain and hundreds of people in the mud getting stuck going to church. I mean, hundreds of people. Amazing. In fact... Uh, of course, they have a larger population than El Dorado there in Jonesboro, but they're already up to 1,200. And I mean, people ever. I told Alicia, I said, I mean, we waited in line in the rain to get in church. Amazing. <laughs> so here we are, our first time with Harlan at church, and uh, it was a blessing. Let's see the next picture. I think it's a whole family. There we are, the whole family uh, are, are part of the family there uh, with, with them at church. And look at those feet, man. Just look at those feet. I, I just, man, good stuff right there. And do we have another one or is that the last one? That's the last one. All right. So 
There we are, and I want to tell you what, guys, God bless my socks off. And uh, what, what you don't know is, is that he likes his Papa Jay. So much so that his mom got mad because he wanted me. And if I had to go through church, like they were trying to teach him something, you know, like sit in church and all this stuff. And so here's Papa Jay. I wasn't helping anything. And so I couldn't look at him. So I literally went through church like this. Because he was over here to my left, and I didn't want him to make eye contact. Because he was going, uh, uh. He knew I'd get up and walk him around. And so last weekend, or two weekends ago, we were there, and uh, they were leading worship. And, and I was standing at the back, uh, just worshiping the Lord. And um, we were singing that song. What he's done, what he's done, all the glory and the honor to the Son. And as we were singing that song, I've got my baby boy right here, my grandbaby Harlan. And he is looking at my face. And tears are coming down my face. And I'm worshiping. And I have my other hand lifted. And one, my boy in one hand and my other hand lifted. Saying, God, you have been so good to us. God, you have been so good to my family. I want to tell you, you ought to get your kids in church. You ought to get your grandchildren in church. They ought to see tears flowing down your face. They ought to see your hands lifted. They ought to see you passionate about Jesus. What God's done for my family is amazing. If you knew where we came from to where we are now, you'd be amazed. Jerry, God's a good God. And God is a restorer. God will restore you and your family and your marriage. God will restore you. And God has been good to us. Lord, I thank you for what you've done for my family. So up here, you can take the pictures down. Up here on the front row is my son, Luke. Uh, Luke came to me here a while back. And, and uh, Luke and I are with each other a lot. And uh, this young man is just a man that, a young man going after God's heart. And he loves the Lord full of the Holy Ghost. Loves to read the Bible. In fact, when I want to know things, I ask Luke. Because Luke is so smart. And, and he loves the Bible. I mean, loves the Bible. If I want to know what current events are, I ask Luke. And uh, I'm so proud of this young man. But he came to me here a while back and he said, Dad, I want to be at OCC. I want to connect at One Community. <laughs> He said, Dad, I feel like when I come there, God's going to show me what my destiny is. How many of you believe in for that? Amen. How many of you believe in for that? He said, Dad, there's something about this church and there's something that God wants to do. And so Luke is hooked up with us and, and uh, doing some mentoring and, and helping and some interning and so forth. But uh, God has a call on his life, and whatever that is, certainly not trying to call him to ministry, that's between him and God, but I know that God has a call on your life, Luke, and I thank God for this young man. Whatever that is, whatever that looks like, Dad is on board, and I'm excited about that. Amen? So God is good. Aren't you proud of what God does in our families? Somebody just needs to thank him right now. Father, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing in our family. Somebody needs to claim this right now. Father, I thank you that you're healing families. 
that you're touching families, that God, you're doing something in families. Oh, Lord, we thank you for it. Y'all feel that in this room? Am I the only one? Come on, does anybody else feel what God's doing in here right now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, go with me to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. We may go there. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) I told Pastor D to tell the media team to just get ready. (laughs) I don't really know where we're going. Um, A few months ago, I, I spent about two months praying. And in that two months... The Lord started revealing to me new things and new vision and new things that he was wanting me to do. And on the tail end of that prayer time, I was pulling into Brookshire's of all places to the grocery store. And I pulled into the parking lot just right up here, just right up there beyond the red light. I pulled up into the parking lot and God wrecked me. I mean wrecked me. I was minding my own business, running errands. And I pulled in there, and God totally wrecked me. And God began to speak to me, and one of the things that he spoke to me, I won't tell you all of it because it was personal. I've already seen God start doing some of the things that he told me that he was about to do. But he told me that day as I was sitting in my truck just weeping, sobbing, as God was just telling me things that were igniting my heart because I knew what he had been laying on my heart, and he was confirming it to me. But here's what he told me. He said, Jason, I want you to preach and teach. I've called you to preach and teach. And when you're not preaching and teaching, I want you to be getting ready to preach and teach. He said, that is your job. That is your assignment. That's what I've called you to do. And he said, I don't want you bogged down with all this other stuff. He said, I have called you, son, to preach and teach the gospel. How many of you know there is still a need and a reason and an anointing on the anointed preaching and teaching of the Word of God? Amen? There is an anointing for that. I love worship. I am your guy. I love to worship. But there's something that happens when we preach and teach and we open the bread of life. There is something that happens inside of us. And so what happens is worship is about God. Preaching and teaching is about you. It's about building you up. The Bible says build, building you up in the most holy faith. There is something that happens through anointed preaching and teaching that you can't get anywhere else. And so God said, I've called you to preach and teach. And so I want you to spend the majority of your time, not bogged down with other things on your mind, but I want you in the word and I want you on your knees and I want you seeking me because I'm about to give you things that, that I, it's going to amaze you, and I'm going to fill you up even more. You thought that you couldn't go any further, and God said, I'm about to take you further. Now, two people are excited for pastor, and I appreciate those two people, and I'm going to buy your lunch as soon as this is over, okay? So one of those is my father-in-law. I heard his voice. So anyway, but this is what the Lord told me. I want you to preach and teach the gospel. God has given me so much from that moment to this moment. I've got more messages than I can preach. I, I really do. Like, I am so full. I am so energized where before my strength was gone. Now God has given me an energy and, and renewed my passion. And it, it's amazing. And so I just believe, guys, with all my heart, some of the best church is ahead of us. I think we're fixing to see something in these next few months, September, October, November, December. I think we're fixing to blaze a trail at the end of this, this year. 
that's going to open up windows for January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December of 2024. God is fixing to do some stuff in this church. I think we're about to see some of the best church we have ever experienced in our lives. I really believe that. There is such an excitement in me. I haven't felt this in a long time. I've never felt it quite like I feel it right now. There is faith rising on the inside of me, and that's really what today is all about. It's about building your faith. And so there is something arising on the inside of me where I just believe God's fixing to do something. Now, I saw something similar to what I think we're about to see, but I think it's going to be way beyond that. In the years of 2011, 2012, 2013, 14, 15 to 17, in those years... I experienced some of the best church I had ever experienced out at Good Samaritan. It was amazing what we saw. We saw unity. We saw people coming together. Then we merged, and and I think the last five years has been about God getting us ready, getting us prepared for what He's about to do over the next so many years. I think the nucleus is ready. I think we're in unity. I think we're ready to go. And I think God is about to do some things here that is absolutely going to blow our minds and blow the lid off of what He wants to do in El Dorado, Arkansas. I believe that. I think we're fixing to see some of the funnest church we've ever experienced. Did you know church is supposed to be fun? Church is supposed to be fun. You're not supposed to look like you got baptized in lemon juice when you come to church. You're supposed to have fun in church. In fact, when you leave church, you should be saying, man, that was good. Let's do it again. There ought to be an excitement. There ought to be an enthusiasm. I think I'm literally saying, I mean it. We're fixing to see fun church. We're fixing to see joy come back in the church. I'm tired of the devil slapping us around. I don't know where that comes from. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened after COVID. I don't know if it happened before COVID. I don't know if it's been happening, but I do know that I saw a shift after COVID, and I see Christians that are walking around defeated like they've been slapped around real good by the devil, and you've forgotten how big our God is. You've forgotten how powerful our God is. Where in the church have we forgotten the power of God? The God we serve, we act like He's, you know, He can only do it when we get to heaven. No, 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 no. He can do it right now. That He is a healer, He is a miracle worker, He is a promise keeper. That our God is a big God. I don't know where we stop believing that, but we need to get that back in the church. We need to get faith back in the church. Amen, church. Come on, somebody. Our God is big and He can do big things. Somehow we keep limiting God and we, you know, we keep saying all kinds of things. But listen, our God is big. He does miracles. He is unbelievable. He is supernatural. Can I hear an amen? I've heard pastors say, well, you can't stay on the mountaintops. You have to go back to the valleys. That makes me mad. Like literally, it makes me mad. Can I tell you this? Your doctrine matters. Doctrine is important. That's why I'm going to teach. And if you like the real studious teaching stuff, come back in two weeks. But come back in two weeks, I'm going to teach you some stuff about the book of Acts. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about doctrine. And we're going to hit some different doctrine, mainstream doctrine in our world today. We're going to hit different denominations and what they believe. And we're going to talk about what we believe. So we're going to do that. Why? Because doctrine matters. I am concerned about the lack of biblical engagement in America. I'm concerned about that. I am concerned about the, the lack of biblical engagement inside of the church in America. 
In churches in America, they'll read a few little scriptures, they shut their Bible, and they teach you how to live your best life. Or they teach you how three points on how to manage your time. Guys, we need to open the bread of life and we need good doctrinal teaching and preaching out of Scripture. Amen? I say this all the time in Next Steps to every person that comes through there. By the way, we had a room full of them last week. New people joining the church. Can we get a big clan clap for that? I tell them, and if you've never heard me say this, in that packet that we give you, in the back of that packet is our beliefs. You can also go online and look at our beliefs online. I believe our church... To me, in my opinion, and I know I'm biased, but I really believe this, and I've, I've studied churches, been a part of this my entire life, been in some kind of ministry since the day I was born, and that is, that is the literal truth. But I have watched churches and looked at churches and observed churches, and I think what we have here in our beliefs and our doctrine is one of the most balanced doctrines of a church you will find anywhere. I believe that. I believe we preach the whole counsel of God. I believe we preach a very good balance of Scripture. I believe we don't just focus on one aspect of Scripture, but we focus on the whole Scripture. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So doctrine matters. Write this down. If you expect defeat, you're going to get a lot of defeats. If you expect defeat, you're going to get a lot of defeats. That statement doesn't set well with my spirit. Well, you can't stay on the mountaintops. You've got to go back to the valleys. That don't set well in my spirit. It shouldn't set well in your spirit. I know life has ebbs and flows, and I'm not naive, and I'm not dumb, and I'm not hiding in a rock somewhere. I understand that life has ebbs and flows and ups and downs. I get it. But I don't think you have to lose what God gave you. I don't think we have to lose what God gave us. Paul didn't tell Timothy. If we have that scripture, put it up. Paul didn't tell Timothy. Now, Timothy, there's going to be seasons of fear in your life. Is that what this scripture says? No, no, no. What did he tell Timothy in verse 7? He said, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but he's given you a spirit of what? What? Come on, say it again. What did he give you? Power what? What else? Oh, no, 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 no. A Xantex. What is that what you call it? Xanax? How do you say it? I don't know. I don't care. Don't take the stuff. God hasn't given me a, a, a mind of depression. God hasn't given me a mind of anxiety. I'm not against medicine. I believe in it. But I'm saying that's not the kind of mind that God gave me. A fear, stressed out, worried, anxious mind. No, it says he gave me a what kind of mind? Come on, somebody say it again. What kind of mind has God given you? Has God given you fear? No, what three things has God given you? Come on, stop right there. What, what did he say? What kind? What is it? Come on, say it again. Power what? Love and a what? And then if you go back up to verse 6, do we have that? Paul tells Timothy, Therefore, I remind you, Alicia, I thought was going to preach the message during worship and we didn't even talk about it. He says, stir up. Isn't that what she said a moment ago? Stir up. Everybody say, stir up. Stir up that gift in you, Timothy, that gift of God, which happened to you through the laying on of hands. Why do we lay on hands? Why do we do that here at our church? We did it last week. We lined up right here. We prayed for kids. It didn't go quite like I thought it was going to go, but it was okay. Took an hour. I thought it would take 10 minutes. 
No big deal. It worked, okay? That was what God wanted. But we lay hands on kids. We believe in the laying on of hands. Why? Because we believe there's a transfer of the anointing that takes place. We believe that our hands are a weapon and that God uses our hands as we pray for people and we pray for sick people, discouraged people, well people. It doesn't matter. But there is something that happens when we touch and we agree together. The Bible says, if any two agree upon touching anything, it shall be what? Shall be done. So we believe in, in the anointing of laying on of hands. We believe in impartation. We believe there is an impartation that takes place when we lay on hands. Uh, I know this happens because it happened in my life. I was raised, my dad was my pastor. Um, there was a mantle that was passed from his life to my life the night he passed away. I felt that mantle hit my life. Why? Because years, years, I, I was thinking this morning, I bet my dad laid hands on me over a hundred times in his lifetime, uh, in my lifetime while I was with him when he was on the earth. He would lay hands on me and pray for me. It was not uncommon to wake up in the middle of the night and my mom or my dad had their hands on me as I was sleeping and they were praying for me in the Holy Spirit. That was a common occurrence at my house. We believed in the laying on of hands, and there was something that happened. There was an anointing that passed from my dad to, to me that happened. There was a, a definite mantle that hit my life that is undescribable and unexplainable. Why? Because it's supernatural. And so that anointing hit my life. I've never been the same from that night. There was something that happened in the spirit realm that I cannot articulate that happened in my life. There was a mantle that was shift. There was a mantle that was passed to me, and it came through the laying on of hands. There was an impartation. Everybody say an impartation. So number one, I can keep what God gave me. And number two, I can take what God gave me, pour gasoline on it, and increase it. I think I might have come to the wrong church today. I'm not sure which church I pulled into. Number one, I can keep what God gave me. And number two, I can take what God gave me, pour gasoline on it, and actually increase it. So that's what he's telling Timothy when he says, when I laid my hands on you, there was an impartation that took place. There was something that happened, Timothy, when me as a father in the Lord put my hand on you. And he's telling Timothy to stir up that gifting and anointing when I laid my hands on you. And what he's saying is you can still have it. You can still have what God gave you and you can actually increase it when you get in the presence of God. That's what he was telling Timothy. I want to tell all my RAMP students that just went to RAMP about a month ago, you can keep what God gave you. You can still have what God gave you. You don't have to drive to Alabama and get in Walker Creek to experience what you experienced that day. You can experience it right now. You can stir up that gift right now. That gift didn't go away. That moment was just not a moment. God's saying that moment, I touched you. I imparted things to you. And every time you get in my presence, I can re-impart those things that I started imparting in you that day in that creek. That's what he's saying. Stir up that gift that's in you. All my ramp adults that went, stir up that gift that took place in you. When you get in a mighty move of God, when the presence of God is so strong, when there's laying on of hands and God touches your life, you can still have that anointing. Can I hear an amen? amen. Say this nice and loud so the devil can hear you. No defeat. No defeat. We, win. we win. Come on, say it again. No defeat. No defeat. We, win. we win. Life is not meant to be a series of miracles and crisis from crisis to miracle from miracle to crisis. 
That's the way most Americans live, from miracle to crisis, from crisis to miracle. I break that pattern in the name of Jesus. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. We're not supposed to live from miracle to crisis, from crisis to miracle. The Bible says that we can live from strength to strength, from glory to glory. Come on, church. From victory to victory. We don't, win. We don't lose. We win. Everybody say we win. I'm tired of negative cycles and patterns. And, the, and, and if you're tired of negative cycles and patterns, guess what? You're the person to break it. It stops with you. Don't allow that to continue in your home. So are you in Joshua chapter 1? Look at Joshua chapter 1. Let's read it. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land in which I am giving to them. The children of Israel... Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I will give you as I said to Moses. I want to say something to you today. There is something about land, spiritual land and physical land. God gave us here at One Community right under eight acres. We're just right there shy of eight acres of land. There is something significant about land. In fact, we're going to do everything we can to make sure this place is paid off because I don't know what's about to happen, but God wants this land to be paid for. All right. I also believe that God is going to give us more land. God is going to give one community more land. Why? Why is land important? It's important because when you own land, nobody can tell you what you can do on that land. Amen? So I believe God's going to give us land. I think that's physical and I think that's spiritual. I think there's spiritual land that God wants us to obtain. There's things in our homes and our families, just like I told you a minute ago, you can break those negative cycles. What is that? You're taking ground. You're taking spiritual land. So he says, wherever the sole of your foot will be placed, he said, I will give it to you. And he said, um, as I said to Moses... Verse 4, from the wilderness to the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Everybody say territory. No man, no man, everybody say no man, shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. And he says, I will not leave you and I will not forsake you. Can I hear an amen on that one? Woo! I will not leave you and I will not forsake you. He said, no man. Everybody say, no man. And that doesn't mean people won't stand against you or try. The Bible says no weapon formed against you will prosper. How many of you know it's being formed, but it won't prosper? And so it doesn't mean people won't try. It just says they will not be successful. Everybody say, no defeat. We win. You think about that little nation of Israel over there, to this day, the Palestinians are always shooting rockets over into Israel. It's such a common occurrence that they don't even cancel school. And that God has given them technology every time the Palestinians shoot rockets over that land, that land he was just talking about. Every time they shoot rockets over into that land, God has given Israel technology, and that technology will, will locate that missile and knock it out of the sky. I heard a terrorist say this. I'm calling him a terrorist. He told the New York Times, anytime one of their Iron Dome systems misses one of our rockets, we watch as their God changes the direction of the rocket. <laughs> Why? Because what he told Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, no man, no man will defeat you. Come on, church. 
It's not that people won't try, it's that no one has the capacity to do what they say they're going to do. Ask Goliath's head. Goliath, he taunted David. He taunted the, the armies of Israel. He said all the things that he was going to do to them. He was a big talker. <laughs> he, he, Goliath was king of opening his mouth, but when it actually came time to fight, he didn't have the capacity to take David out. No one will defeat you as long as you live. They went to push Jesus over a cliff and he walked right through them and no one laid a hand on him and he got out of there. You know, sometimes I think people don't read the Bible. I don't think that. I know that. There are Christians. You don't read the Bible. Like, I, 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 I am concerned about the lack of biblical engagement. People don't read the Bible. People say, well, Pastor Jason said, no defeat, we win, but they crucified Jesus. Keep reading. I said, keep reading. <laughs> well, they threw Paul into prison. Well, guess what? He wasn't there long. Because about midnight as they were praising the Lord, guess what happened? God caused an earthquake and it broke the chains off of them and they walked right out of there. I was reading this the other day. I don't know how true it is, but I thought it was good. Did you know that jailer, the jailer that they won to the Lord, he was going to kill himself because he thought, if they find out that I let these guys get out of here, they're going to kill me. And so he was scared to death. And Paul told him, you know, told him, look, you're okay. And he gave his life to Jesus. And I read a commentary the other day that said they believed that he became one of the Philippian pastors of one of the Philippian churches there. Everybody say it nice and loud. No defeat. We win. Write this down. Never mistake a challenge for a defeat. Are we going to be challenged? Yes. Are we going to be defeated? No. Everybody say it. Never mistake a challenge for a defeat. Never let someone rear their ugly head and tell you you can't. When you become a blood-bought Christian, God is in control of your life and your destiny. Joshua, he told Joshua in the New Living Translation, it says this, and you will be successful in all you do. There is nothing the Lord calls you to that you will fail at. If God called you to it, you won't fail. If He didn't call you, then you may fail. But if you are called to something, then you will not fail at it. See, God's Word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. Can I hear an Amen. God doesn't want you to walk through defeat, sickness, disease, bankruptcy, broken homes, abuse, addiction, gender dysphoria. God didn't call you to that. That's not God. See, I think we get confused because we're not reading the Bible. Think about all God created in the Garden of Eden. We, we, we think about sickness and disease and all that. And I hear people say some of the goofiest things. Goofy. Well, God gave me this cancer so I could learn a lesson. Is there cancer in heaven? Was there cancer in the Garden of Eden? Was there brokenness in the Garden of Eden? Was, is there brokenness in heaven? Is anybody confused if they're male or female in heaven? Was anybody confused in the Garden of Eden? No. Is that stuff in heaven? No. Let me tell you, that is a result of a word called sin. 
Death, sickness, disease, it's sin. Sin brought that into the world. God never intended for us to have that in this world. Well, we can learn lessons. Sure, I can learn lessons from anything. I sit on my back patio the other night and watched two birds playing, and I learned all kinds of lessons. Let me ask you, does it have to be just bad to learn a lesson? Well, why do we think bad things are to teach us lessons? Think about that. God can teach you through anything. It doesn't mean that it's God. Things happen this side of heaven. This, this, we live in a corruptible world, but I'm going to tell you something that's not corrupt. This book right here is the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. It is incorruptible. It is incorruptible. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I can have what this Word of God says I can have. And this Word of God says I will be successful. I am a seed of Abraham. I live under the Abrahamic blessing. Amen. So I will be successful. I don't wonder if I'll be successful. I will be successful. I told somebody asked me the other day, you know, about what if you didn't minister anymore? What would you be doing? I'd say, this is my answer. I would still be successful. Why? Because I live under the blessing of Abraham. Why? Because I've been a tither since I was 18 years old. You know what God told me the other day in that parking lot? He said, never be ashamed of what I gave you. Never hide what I gave you. Why is it that Christians feel ashamed every time we have something? You know, we, we get a new car and we got to explain how we got the new car and why we got the new car. Why can't we just say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Why do I got to feel bad for it? You can be blessed too. The Bible says God is no respecter of person. What He does for one, He'll do for the other. Come on, somebody. Write this down. God teaches through His Word. And God instructs through His Word. Let me tell you something. Pharaoh, gone. The Word of God's still here. Goliath, gone. The Word of God's still here. Nebuchadnezzar, gone. The Word of God is still here. Uh, King Herod, in Jesus' day, gone. The Word of God is still here. I want to tell you, the Word of God will still be here after me and you are gone. This Word will remain forever. Can I hear an amen? This will still be here. The spoken Word of God. The living, breathing, active Word of God. It will still be here. Can I hear an amen on that? Come on. I rebuke that Presbyterian spirit. (laughs) God bless the Presbyterians. I pick on them all the time. God teaches through His Word. He instructs through His Word. Everybody say it again. No defeat. defeat. We win. God told Joshua, you will never lose. I will give you great success and I will make you prosper. When we serve God, we're on a different path than everybody else. No, pastor, we all live in the same world. Yes, but there are different paths. There is a broad way that seems right unto man, but the end is death and leads to destruction. And there is a straight and narrow path, a highway of holiness that leads to the blessings of God where the blessings of God flow like a river. Come on, church. Mm. A lot of people will leave you right there. But in making this decision to go to a different path, I'm choosing a reward because the Bible says in Hebrews that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I said he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In other words, those who seek his path. God doesn't play favorites. Jew, Greek, black, white, educated, uneducated. He doesn't care. He just wants you to seek him. Oh, I, was, I thought about this story the other day. It just hit me so hard and I wrote it down. Rahab the prostitute. Y'all remember her when they went into Jericho? Rahab the prostitute 
had no right to the covenant, but she said, I know, I, I know you people serve the one true God, and I'm not going down with the city. She, uh, she had no right to the covenant. Remember, this was before Jesus. She was a pagan in a pagan land, and she said, I, I want me and my family to live. And what did Joshua tell her? Take a scarlet cord. What's the scarlet cord represent? Come on, somebody tell me, what does it represent? The blood, the blood of Jesus. Take the, the scarlet cord, drape it out your window, and when the walls of Jericho fall, your house will not be touched. And God kept his word. Everybody say the blood of Jesus. And Rahab is in the lineage of Christ. So even if you're a wicked person in a wicked family, it only takes one person in that family to say enough is enough. Enough is enough. I'm not living this way anymore. And God will make, watch what I'm about to say, and God will make good on what you believe. What you believe. Not what I believe, what you believe. This is all about believing and not believing. I'm not living this way anymore, and God will make good on what you believe. God is looking who to save, not who to kill. God sent Jesus to reconcile his anger so we can have heaven when we die, and while we live, while we live, we can have the blessing of Abraham. Proverbs 23, 18. And we have that. For surely there is no end in, the ex, in, in thine expectation. Watch this word. Underline it, highlight it, write it down. And thy expectation shall not be cut off. Write this down. What you expect, you will experience. What you expect, you will experience. You have friends and I have friends and i got to close. You have friends and I have friends, and maybe we are that friend, that you ask somebody how they're doing. How you doing? And this is their answer. Same old crowd, different day. And guess what? They reproduce what they say. They reproduce what they say. If you get your expectation, even if I don't have it right now, I can have what God says I can have. I can look through this book and have every promise that God told me I could have. Come on. Twelve spies. Ten said we can't do it. Two said if the Lord said we can do it, we can do it. The ten that said we can't get it didn't. And the two that said we can got it. It's not up to God. God has done everything he said he will do. It's up to us to believe his word and act on it. Say this so heaven can hear you. I believe. Come on, say it again. I believe. Another way to say this, what I just said, write it down this way. What you don't expect, you will experience. What you don't expect, you will never experience. Write this down. What you don't confront, you will never conquer. What you don't confront, you will never conquer. Here's another one. I know I'm giving you a lot. Write it down. You don't get it? Watch YouTube. <laughs> what you don't resist has the right to remain. What you don't resist has the right to remain. One more. Attack is better than react. Attack is better than to react. How many of you know what we see in our nation right now is a lot of reacting? It's a lot of what I call knee-jerk reactions. God didn't call us to give a knee-jerk reaction. Why? Because we're always on the offensive. We're always attacking. Come on. We're attacking the enemy. We're putting our foot on his neck all the time. Well, if it's God's will, he will heal me. No, there has to be an expectation. Everybody say expectation. 
When you realize that Jesus' blood didn't just blot out my sins, but his blood heals my sicknesses, his blood heals my diseases, and I can have that. That's the blood of Jesus. Some churches are the kings of getting you not to expect anything. 2 Chronicles 16.9, I didn't give this to the team. The eyes of the Lord search continually through the whole earth, looking for those whose heart is fully given to Him. Watch this, that He might show Himself strong on their behalf. That He might show Himself strong. He's not looking who to kill. He's looking for someone whose heart is after His so He can show Himself strong to you. Someone asked me, how do you get so many people to volunteer? I was part of this deal the other day, and they were trying to say, uh, and they did say, and I thought, man, that's sad, and I I believe them. But they said, you know, in most churches, only 10% of the people volunteer and serve in the church. 10%. What's the number here, Pastor? Pastor D, what's the number? I don't know what the statistic is, but I'm going to tell you how much? 35% of people serve in this church. Can we give God a hand for that? 35 Why do they do it? Because their children get healed, their businesses get blessed, their marriages get restored. They understand there's something about getting under the Abrahamic blessing and the covering of God. Can I hear an amen, church? Hmm, God's not looking who to curse. Well, they keep inviting me to one community church, but you know, I'm afraid if I go to one community church, if I walk in the doors, that God might kill me. Do you think God has to wait till you come here to kill you? He can kill you on your job. He can kill you in your lazy boy. Do you think you... This is not turf wars. I, I, hear, I hear crazy stuff like that all the time. Crazy stuff. God is not looking to hurt you. He's looking to help you. He's looking to bless you. He is actively looking to help you. What you don't resist will remain. Come on, say that. What you don't resist will remain. Well, the doctor said, your kidneys are shutting down. I knew it. It runs in the family. (laughs) No, I have an expectation of what life is supposed to be. And God said, with long life, I will satisfy you. With long life, I will satisfy you. Well, pastor, we have to die of something. Yeah, we have to die of something, but we don't have to die sick, busted, and disgusted. Do I have time to tell you all a quick story? It's past 12, but in fact, you come to the keyboard, they'll think we're closing. I'm serious. Come to the keyboard. So, <laughs> I told y'all I didn't know what was going to happen today. I heard a story of, an, of a 90, I don't know, he was like 93, I think. A 93-year-old man, I don't know, he was in his 90s. He was a pastor. All, for years and years, he was a pastor. This is a true story. And he got up one morning, he lived with his daughter. He got up that morning and he told his daughter. He got up, he put his nice clothes on. She said, Dad, why are you all dressed up? Are we going somewhere today? Did I forget an appointment or something? And he said, no. He said, I'm going home today. And she said, what do you mean you're going home? You are home. He said, no, 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 not this home. I'm going to heaven today. She said, Dad, do you feel bad? Are you sick? Is something wrong? He said, no, I feel great. I feel better than I've ever felt. And she said, well, why do you think you're going to heaven today? He said, because the Lord told me when I got up this morning, today's the day. 
And she said, well, okay. And he, she said, well, what do you want to do? He said, I want you for lunch to cook my favorite meal. So she went and she prepared a meal and they all ate and had a good time and laughed. And he said, I'm going to go lay down in my chair for a minute. And he said, I'm going to take my, my nap. And she said, well, okay. So he went and he laid down in his chair. And she just had this feeling and she just kept watching him. And she said, he sat down in his chair and he laid his head back and went, and exhaled. And he was in heaven just like that. Come on, church. (laughs) Come on, stand to your feet. I got to close. Come on, stand to your feet. We'll preach the rest of this next weekend. Next weekend, I got points and everything. I do. I got some awesome points. It's going to be good. We're going to preach no defeat, we win. Everybody say it. No defeat, we win. Come on, say it again. Do you believe it? No defeat, we win. Everybody say, I'm on the winning team. I'm not on the losing team. (laughs) Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. You know, why do people feel so empowered or enabled to tell us negative things? Do you all notice that? Like, people think they have the right to tell you things. I remember when Sarah, my daughter, was young. Someone, uh, I heard this a lot. You know, she was a daddy's girl. And uh, she liked me back then. (laughs) <laughs> you know, kind of thing. But anyway, no, she still likes me. You saw that. She loves me. But um, I had some guy one time, made me so mad. He said, well, she likes you now, but wait till she becomes a teenager. And I went, thank you, Lucifer. I appreciate that. You know, why do people feel so compelled to tell you some of the goofiest things? No, no, no. I can have everything God says I can have. I don't have to be a statistic. I don't have to be a statistic. God is not looking to kill you. God is looking to bless you. And if you walked in here today and you've never been in a service like this, you've never been in a church like this, I want to tell you God loves you. God wants to help you. God doesn't want you sick. He doesn't want you confused. He doesn't want you to be depressed. He doesn't want you hooked to prescription medication. God doesn't want you hooked to alcohol. God wants to deliver you. God wants to heal you. God wants to bless you. There is a blessing that comes with serving God that is bar none better than any gig out there. There is nothing like being a Christian. There is nothing like living for Jesus. There is nothing like living holy. There is a blessing that comes with it. Hallelujah. There is a blessing that comes with it. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. I am a blessing to be a blessing in the name of Jesus. Oh, I feel faith rising in this room. I feel faith rising in this room. I feel faith rising in this room. Hallelujah. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to join us next week for another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yarbrough and One Community Church of El Dorado.